0: podcast with your hosts Stan and Nick
1: Welcome to episode 143 of the MMA Geeks C level podcast. this is your host Stan drive and my co-host the Alexander Volkanovsky to my Max Holloway the Max Holloway to my Jose
0: Aldo Legacy Nick. The, the Jose Aldo to, you are the Jose Aldo to my Frankie Edgar. The Frankie Edgar to my Gray Maynard. The Gray Maynard to my Rob Emerson. Okay, the- all
1: right, all right, all right, all right, all right. That will do it. I feel like we could do an entire show going down the line like that. But Nick, it's good to be here with you. We're going to break down UFC 276, Volkanovski versus Holloway in the headliner. And then the co-headliner, a pretty big fight in itself, Israel Adesanya versus Jared Cannonier. Stop me if I got anything wrong.
0: I'm not going to stop you. Perfect. Either.
1: Nikolai, this is a good fucking card. These last two cards, these last three cards, including UFC 275, fucking phenomenal after just a, a, a barrage of really shitty cards with a bunch of no-name fighters who maybe some of whom we'll be interested in in the next couple of years. But, Nick, these last few cards have been phenomenal. The main event from last week was great. We're not going to dive into it now. I know we missed a recording last week, but we're going to dive into UFC 276. And I believe it is I who has the first... Pick on this one, bro. I picked up another. Ooh. Oh yeah, that that's gotta hurt. I picked up another two points over you. I believe that puts me in a twelve
0: point lead. Wait a minute. Yes. I didn't. Oh, you mean not counting last
1: week? Yeah. Well, yeah. L- l- last week being being that we didn't record. Uh, I actually don't know the map. We we kind of texted each other just to see where we would be on the picks. Uh, I don't know what the results are. I didn't. I didn't look over it. Um, but but did you did you walk away with the the edge in last week's picks? I think we were either tied or you had one, but it was
0: Fair It was close.
1: Yeah, I mean it's again it's always competitive. It's just these like these once in a while cards where I edge you by a couple points, uh, kind of stacking up over time. Uh, Nikolai, the important thing though is down. breakdowns more than whether or not you know either you or I win. Uh, I'm happy when we both make good predictions when we both both hit the important points on a card right so like i would rather get the elements of the fight correct as far as like what is going to play in for each fighter and how each fighter is going to win rather than actually getting who's winning correct because sometimes it's a goddamn coin flip right sometimes it all depends on the judges moods and, and what they've had for breakfast sometimes uh it depends on if somebody's you know somebody's seriously injured and what have you there are things that are out of our control but i think breaking down the important elements in each fight is really the more important thing and you and i i think do a pretty goddamn solid job of that nikolai my first pick for UFC 276 is going to be the co-main event in the Israel Adesanya Jared Cannonier matchup. Look, Izzy Adesanya is goddamn twenty-two and zero
0: at middleweight. He is zero and one Wait, wait. That's not the co. That's not the co-main event. That's the main event. Nikolai, how dare you?
1: How dare? you? Well, you
0: got to be confused, you're like, I'm going to pick the co-main event, and then you started talking about middleweights. Remember, they always do it by weight class. Well, it's a mistake. The highest we, weight we've class. Got,
1: we've got literally Max Holloway and. Alexander Volkanovski, two of the greatest fighters. No, I agree. That's it. A, a, yeah. They're two of the best pound for pound, two of the top five or six best pound pound mm-hmm. fighters on the planet. They should be in the main event, Nick. I will not acknowledge the UFC's order. I'm going to assume that they are the main event. I'm going to assume the pay-per-view is named after those two guys. And I am picking from the co-main mm-hmm. event. between Israel Adesanya and Jared Cannonier. Here's the motherfucking thing. Israel Adesanya tends to do really well against aggressive opponents, right? He likes opponents that are going to lunge in after him. Because he counters really fucking well. We've seen it time and again against Robert Whitaker in their first matchup. Robert Whitaker decided to be aggressive. He was getting fucking walloped when Kelvin Gastelum was aggressive. He had a couple of moments because he's extremely fast. And I think that surprised uh, Adesanya, right? But it was when Kelvin Gastelum was lunging forward that he got countered and hurt. And over time, Adesanya's will won over Kelvin Gastelum, right? Uh, Yael Romero was super timid. Nothing happened. That tends to be the case with Israel Adesanya. If you're not aggressive... All he's going to do is throw jabs and leg kicks. We know this. We saw it uh, in, believe it or not, the Paul Acosta fight was an example of that, except with Paul Acosta, once he decided to break out and be aggressive uh, for the first time in that fight is when he got knocked out, essentially. Not a whole lot happened until then, except for some body and leg kicks. So again, Adesanya does well against an aggressive opponent. Jared Cannonier is fairly aggressive. I do think he's going to temper himself more in this matchup. I think that Jared Cannonier has some edges, right? He's got way more power in his hands and his kicks He's got the endurance. He's got the athleticism, right? We've seen him go five rounds and still put his foot to the pedal in the very last moments of that fifth round. And that is impressive. That is an important thing going into your first title fight. Um, and this is the case for him coming down a couple of divisions over the course of his UFC career. Uh, got you know, like it's interesting. You, you'd hope that a guy challenging for the title has a serious streak. The guy's only on a two fight winning streak, but his loss was to Robert Whitaker in a fight where he ended up doing okay against Whitaker very late in that matchup, Um, that was a three-round fight. wasn't a five-rounder, and that could have made it a little bit more interesting. But I think that Robert Whitaker probably edged that Asanya out in their last matchup. I think he landed the cleaner shots. I think that he got takedowns. And granted, let's say we're not factoring in much of the control unless the striking was even. The striking was goddamn even in that one, Nick. If anything, Robert Whitaker had the slightest of edges. Marvin Vittori, you know, not the best style matchup as we saw against Izzy so far, right? But Jared Cannonier is going to be aggressive. He's going to give him counter opportunities. The thing is that if Jared lands, he can absolutely hurt Adesanya. Um, and that's where Adesanya has got to be particularly careful. Also, Jared Cannonier happens to be physically extremely strong. He's going to be going for takedowns as we saw uh, work uh, against Izzy when he fought Jan Blachowicz, right? At least in the second half of that fight, he got takedowns and that's what edged him to fight um, I can see Jared Canonier kind of trying all of that, but I don't think he has the speed to match up with Izzy. He doesn't have the just a clean technique to match up with Izzy. We've seen Jared a step behind Robert Whitaker in the majority of their three-round fight, right? Izzy is going to stay a stay a step ahead. Izzy and and Whitaker to me are one A and one B at 185 pounds. Genuinely, interchangeably, the two best fighters in that division. And as we saw with Caronier, he is about a, a level below that. Maybe not much more than a level, but a level. If Derek Bronson, granted the best version of him, dominated you for about a round uh, early on, whereas Adesanya and Whitaker kind of ran through that guy, right? Granted a different version of him, uh, I just feel like there's levels to this game. And Jared Cannonier, despite his whopping two-fight winning streak, despite you know, despite his power, despite his athleticism, despite the fact that he's mentally very strong, I gotta favor Izzy in this one. There's a chance that Cannonier lands a bomb. There's a chance that he rides out a round from top position. Um, I don't know that his control and expertise on the ground are really, really good enough to really keep uh, Adesanya there if Whitaker wasn't able to keep him down. I've got Israel Adesanya in all likelihood by the decision. I think Jared is a really, uh, really durable guy. The only thing is that we've seen that Izzy has a lot of power on the counter. And if Jared Kennedy is going to be very aggressive, he's going to get finished. If he is but he's also given himself the maximum chance to win this fight if he's aggressive. So it's kind of a catch 22. If he's very timid, he's going to get outpointed, and and it's going to look like they're far apart.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I'm with you. I think, I think it's about a 50% chance of, of either one of those at bat, like poor endings for Ken I think the worst case is this looks like some variation of Forrest Griffin, Anderson Silva. I think best case it's a, it's, you know, Cannonier kind of can't get a hold of him and, and eats a lot of shots and gets frustrated over over five rounds.
1: So you kind of buy into the Izzy storyline of of him being able to just embarrass uh, Cannonier in this matchup. I
0: I don't think Cannonier. I think Cannonier is pretty athletic, I guess, and he's be, he's very very strong. I don't think he's a very good technical wrestler and not as good as the technical wrestlers that have str- middleweight who have struggled to take Izzy down. Yeah. Um so I mean, Jan Bohovic is a big, big dude. Um is going to be pretty big also, but I just, I, I, I think Izzy's speed. I think Izzy's speed. You know, Whitaker has trouble. You know, kind of tr- has had trouble hanging with Izzy. He had to be so disciplined in that second fight, and he still got dropped a bunch in the uh, in the first round. Like, did he wait?
1: Did he? Yeah, in the first fight, you're saying right.
0: In the second fight, he got dropped at the end of the first round. Also, I
1: don't know if I realize. I don't know if I remember it. I didn't rewatch it for this one. But go on.
0: It might have been in the second round, but he definitely got dropped. Mm-hmm. But he got up. Um, yeah, I just think Canello very, very hittable. and Izzy's really good at hitting.
1: So. Yeah. No, I, I get that. And by the way, I'm looking at the stats. You're absolutely right. Uh, Izzy did uh, did hurt him. I do. I do recall it now that I'm looking at the stats. He did hurt him in that first round. Yeah, I, I think we're on the same page here. I mean is he too big of a favorite possibly I would look for I would look for some angles if you're trying to bet this fight you can obviously include Izzy in a parlay and and I think there's you know I think there's reason to like despite the super high odds if you add him into a parlay of two fighters that you're already confident in it's not a bad kind of risk to take but I mean yeah
0: if if Cannonier had Whitaker cardio and Brunson wrestling I would yeah. probably be I would probably be like, you know, this is close. Yeah, no, I, I But he does uh, not He's not as good. He's not he's not a good at either of those. Guys. I do think his cardio is It's high, I I I don't know if it's high level enough, but over 5 rounds. And and I will say quickly, Israel and Asanya
1: plus 200 by decision at Betway. That might be something worth considering. Like if you're going to place a single bet on this fight, and you don't want to, you know, you don't want that kind of chalk of minus four ten. Like you got to spend four. What's that? What's that? Adesanya to. Fi- what's that? Uh, to finish. Uh, just of to finish period. Let me see. I don't. Adesanya decision. Oh wait, hold on. Did I get that wrong? Oh, you know what? That was Sanya by unanimous decision. If he's winning this fight, it's going to be by unanimous. So I would throw it for that plus two hundred line by unanimous decision. sign is just by decision. It's about plus 125 in more uh, okay. sports books. Izzy by finish is around 140, 150. Um, I'd, I'd, either of those are, are possibilities. I just feel like you have better value at Izzy uh, by unanimous decision unless they're both just standing there and having a kind of a Yoel Romero kind of fight. It's It shouldn't be super close if it goes to the scorecards, I don't think.
0: Um, my first pick, I'm going to go uh, with the veteran who's – Here's the thing, like I had picked Cerrone against Joe Lozon, Um, but Jim Miller, uh, I think Jim Miller's looked a lot better than either of these guys in the um, over the last over the last couple of years. I think Miller is a bit more durable. I think he's um, I think he's got a better gas tank. I think he's dangerous to a guy like Cerrone, who's got a vulnerable liver, a vulnerable chin, and can be submitted that miller uh, has the potential to finish the fight anywhere i don't think donald cerrone can submit at this day in the eight day and age cannot submit jim miller um i think jim miller is still really hard to ko i just think there's i think our, our jersey fighter has more durability at this point so i i find it hard to see cerrone also cutting weight for the second time in a month and looking really gaunt last time uh you know having a having what it takes to pick up uh pick up the victory over Whippany's uh, favorite son.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. With these odds, I actually thought that Jim Miller would have been a sizable underdog here. I thought this would be a great betting opportunity. It didn't turn out that way. He's a minus 200 favorite because Jim Miller is an extremely strong starter, and he tends to do really well early and get guys out of there. Um, but then his second and third rounds are terrible, right? He's got... Um, I, I wouldn't go that far, but... I mean, it's it's pretty. Uh, you look at his record. You tell me the last time he's won a fight that went past the first round. Like we're talking about, like, like when this you were year. in your thirties. What really? No, did he recently win yeah, the he, no, he knocked out a guy in the second round. Oh no, that, no, to, you're right, you're right. He did recently. He did recently get a finish in the second round um, against. Hold on, I'm looking two of at the them record.
0: against Eric. Uh, two second yeah, right. round knockouts. You're right, against was, Eric Gonzalez, Gonzalez and Nicholas Mota.
1: Both a couple of minutes within that second round, and that's fair. Um, and that's the thing is that he's a finisher for the first little while. I do think if this fight starts the second round, it's probably going to be Cerrone. Um, but I should like it very, very well. Could be another head kick knockout for Cerrone in this one. I just think plus 170 odds on Cerrone, especially after you were confident in him in a pretty similar style matchup, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I just feel like I just feel like he has a higher chance of winning than plus 170. So that might be worth the rider on you who's a little bit behind. But I listen, if you feel like Jim Miller's a safe bet, this was confidence-wise in my last three or four picks, um, I'm giving the edge to Jim Miller too. But if I was picking this fight, I'd probably take Cerrone for two points. Uh, so that's, that is a, by the way, really, really surprised you're this confident in this pick, but he has been looking good against like entry-level USC fighters to be fair. I
0: mean, uh, not, there's not a lot, there's not, a. there aren't a ton of fights on here that I think have like super obvious winners. Uh,
1: there's, there's this next one for me that I think is very likely, uh, in the Uriah Hall, Andre Muniz matchup, Andre Muniz is not a very technical stand-up fighter, but he hits fucking hard. He's got heavy hands. More importantly, he's got serviceable wrestling at least and it's quickly improving and he's got elite brazilian jiu-jitsu the kind of brazilian jiu-jitsu that will let him submit just about any opponent at the ufc level honestly he could submit most opponents in the grappling level probably 98 percent of the guys out there anywhere near his weight class the guy is a really really dangerous grappler and as much as your eye hall is dangerous standing his low output Even when they're standing, Andre Muniz will have the opportunity, right? Uh, Uriah Hall's got a bunch of miles on him. He's taken a bunch of damage. He's been knocked down and knocked out uh, a handful of times. Andre Muniz has power in his hands, right? So there's multiple avenues here, but I don't see much of a reason why Andre can't uh, pile him against the fence. And if he can't get a clean takedown, why well, he can't just take his back from there. And then he's in that dominant position. He's brilliant at getting the arm bar from that position. Even if his opponent's standing, he manages to slip that arm bar uh, the way that he did against Jacare. That was absolutely incredible. So I've got Andre Muniz here, who it's funny, um, earlier in his UFC career, I, I don't know if it was, con- I think it was his contender series matchup where he faced the low, lowest level guy he was to face in the next few years. Ended up going to decision with... Uh, with um, uh, Sorry, Antonio Arroyo. Right, it was actually at UFC on ESPN uh, 22. Ended up going to unanimous decision with him, and then Arroyo like couldn't get a win in the UFC. And this guy goes on to just completely smoke Eric Anders, Jacques Souza, and Barchos Fabinsky. Back when Barchos fabinski was still like well respected and was on a streak. So really impressed by Andre muniz I think he's an elite level grappler, and, and the moment he takes Uriah Hall's back, this should be his fight. Uriah has the experience, right? If it goes deep into a fight, if he can tag him early. Like he has the skill to potentially win this if he can avoid takedowns. I'm just not confident that he can do that, especially at this point in his career. I think he's mentally not all that strong. And you can tell by the way, you know, like he usually talks from a pretty negative place when it comes to opposition, uh, future opposition or prospective opponents. Um, you know, like I've, I've spent some time on the mat with him. This was years and years ago when he was kind of in his prime. And I mean, that, that was probably like seven or eight years ago, man. The guy's not that young on top of everything else. Um he's got the miles. he's got his age which, which is starting to go he's 37 years old now. So uh, yeah, I like uh, I like Andre Muniz to snap a submission here. Uh, Muniz by finish, I, I think will will serve you some pretty good odds.
0: Yeah, I mean I, te- I tend to agree. I'm just uh, maybe I like Hall a little bit more than you do and I'd like to see Muniz against, you know this is a test for him. this is against some you know better like Eric Anders is late to the game. he's late to jiu Jitsu and Ray was pretty shot. Yeah. um so we'll you yeah. know we'll see but' he's, he's definitely he's definitely good um so this is it's a good it's a good testing matchup and I, I think you're right but we'll, but I don't feel um you're not super confident, confident. I right? really fa- I really felt looking at Cerrone on the scale that like he was just done but um by the way I have to ask anyway. quickly
1: are you sure this fight is not either at a catch weight or uh or at 170.
0: what fight Cer- uh, oh the straw throw- oh the Oh, the serenity fight is at 170. I forgot about that. It
1: is, yeah, I figured the UFC, like he said, he didn't oh, want to cut crap. again, so they kind of set that up. Um, to be honest, I, I do wonder what that will do for Jim Miller as I far for- as his cardio. Maybe, uh, maybe he won't be as exhausted early in that second round. But yeah, you know, if, they, if, that, if that changes your I, pick, I did not.
0: Know. I didn't factor that in. Um, right. Uh, uh, so the yeah, the, the
1: weight cut. So the weight cut. The weight cut was like a uh, like a big factor for you, right?
0: The fact that he went. Yes, yeah, it was. I see. I see. Um, can I can I undo that pick and do a different first pick? Um, as long as it's not as long as it's not Uriah Hall, Andre Muniz. I, I, I,
1: don't, I, I don't think so. Like that's, I don't okay, know. Okay, fine. I'm thinking no, but we fine. we we can talk about rules later.
0: No, it's okay. Um, Dick. <laughs> so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go with um the young aggressive upstart um Macy Barber to defeat the one in six in her last seven fights, Jessica I. I know I's the veteran. She's ten years older than Barber. Everyone talks about her eyes. You know, is her boxing is supposed to be what's great? Um, her, she's probably going to be a better. Actually, she's definitely going to be a better technical boxer than Macy Barber. But I don't feel like I is active enough. I don't feel like she does enough damage. I think that I think Macy Barber is Jessica I I's someone who can still win at, uh, a a technical boxing match with two fighters in the pocket. Macy Barber is going to be coming at you like a rabid wolverine from every angle all the time with unorthodox strikes, with grappling, like super, super aggressive. And I don't, I think I, when she did, did used to have success, it comes from like, you know, bo- bo- like boxing range or kickboxing range, people content to kind of like stand and trade. But you're dealing with a younger, possibly faster and more dynamic uh, overall fighter. Here, so I think um, I think Macy Barber may may get hit a little bit, especially early. I just think she's I just think she's more tenacious, and uh, and you're dealing with a fighter who's on a major major downswing against a young up and comer.
1: Yeah, I've got to agree with you. It's also funny if you look at some of Jessica Jessica's fights. Did you say she was one and six in her and last seven? Sw- I mean, against did, against did really good competition. Before, uh, you're you're factoring in a couple of grappling matches on topology. Oh, here. I did. Um, yeah, and to be fair, she got oh, finished. Okay. Right, by Armbar a couple times in those grappling matches. I don't know much about Amanda Leo Wen and uh Lima Lay Le- McFarlane. Oh, believe oh, yeah. McFarlane is a Bellator fighter, but the fact that she just got like armbarred by her is a really good really bad sign, dude. Like she's not you know, she's not in that UFC top level. So clearly just guy is slipping. I think there's questions as to whether she was ever really that high level to begin with. If you look at her career. She's got that Viviana Rujo win in 2019, which is impressive, right? She took over in that second round. But I also remember, I also remember that
0: being very, I mean, let's check out ranking, I mean, uh, check out MMA decisions on that one.
1: Yeah, it was it was a relatively close fight and everybody had I, either 30, 27 or 20, 29, 28, almost everyone had I. So it was a clear decision for I because oh, Arujo yeah. okay. got tired after that first round, and I's jab started to become a factor, and Arujo didn't have the energy to or really the MMA IQ to work past that jab back in twenty nineteen at least, right? A couple of years later, Arujo is, you know, pretty legit and coming off of an impressive win. But um, and that's the thing. Caitlin Chuquet by split decision prior to that in 2018. Those are her really only two I, the only two names, period, that are worth mentioning in the UFC, unless you consider Leslie Smith to be mentionable. Like she hasn't doesn't really have any any like Jessica Rose Clark is another win, Kalindra Faria, and Caitlin Shukagian, again. Those are the three wins after a losing streak on her way to that title shot against Shevchenko. So she. She ever really that high level no but she can get rid of a prospect that's not ready. Maybe the Macy Barber that debuted would have lost to Jessica I by decision, right? That version Maybe but, but that but that Macy
0: one. Barber, that Macy Barber also KO JJ Aldrich, who's no joke. I mean, losing well, to D- JJ Aldrich
1: we, we've seen that after the first round she's completely unreliable and Macy Barber gets stronger over the course of the fight. And that's kind of part of my point here is that Jessica I, when she does win against yeah. the Ruhoh for example, she relies on the fact that Aruho can't work past her jab, she, and because she was tired. And Macy Barber is the opposite of that. She only gets stronger over the course of the fight. So at, let's say I has a slow first round, and Barber looks pretty good, given her athleticism and strength, her power. And then that second round's a wash, and that third round, Macy Barber is going to fucking push it. She's going to put her foot to the pedal. She's not going to let Jessica Ai get away with just throwing basic fundamentals and winning that way. So I, I agree with you on the pick, and, and and I think, you know, it's again, this is women's MMA. Every one of these matchups that ends up being extremely close. We saw that a couple of weeks ago in a couple of those matchups, right? Ends up being extremely close despite the odds. So a plus 220, is like if Jessica was somehow plus a, a plus 250 underdog, I probably would have taken her for the potential of, for three points. But I agree with you. I, I think Barbara, given this point in their careers, Barbara's arguably at her best and Jessica I is at her worst. So this is a great time for Barbara to take this matchup. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between Sean O'Malley and Pedro Munoz. It's, oh man, I'm sure. I'm sure that would have been your next one. Uh, here's the thing about this one, right? We have. Fuck,
0: dude. Sorry, man. Mm. Sorry,
1: man. You shouldn't have picked freaking Jim Miller over Donald Cerrone first. I don't know It's done Um, the the Munoz O'Malley matchup, right? Like, we've got. It's interesting, given the crazy odds discrepancy. Like Pedro Munoz is worth three points if one of us picks him. So that's not something I would not consider. But you have to look at the results, despite the fact that Sean O'Malley has that one loss to the one high-level fighter in Cheeto Vera that he's ever fought, right? This, besides the fact that, I mean, it was a pretty bad loss. Yeah, he got calf kicked and and he felt his back, but he got knocked out from ground and pound from top position by Cheeto Vera. So it's not like, you know, there's, a, there, there's some concern about a chin. Like Cheeto Vera doesn't really finish guys from the top in the first round almost ever. And if your ankle's hurt, shouldn't prevent you from defending ground and pound off your back, right? Let's say that because your ankle was hurt, it did prevent you from defending. That shows a lack of composure. And that's concerning about O'Malley, who's, really used to being super, super in control. He gets so comfortable when his opponent's able to just work through his shit and keep coming, uh, like Chris Moutinho did, right? Um, granted, he finished him in that third round and maybe ruined him as far as the damage that he put on Chris, who's a former 125er. The fact is that he pressured him, and he showed the openings that would work for a proper pressure fighter. William Pavel was not able to take advantage of that, unfortunately. Wasn't quite durable enough. To, and I do think, like, if he had made it past that first round, he had odds of doing okay in that fight. And unfortunately, maybe Paiva's, uh, Paiva's chin may have been affected to an extent because he's been buzzed a couple of times since then. But um, I, I just feel like the answer for Pedro Munoz is pressure and calf kicks. And those are two things that he has shown the ability to do really well. The problem is over the last few years, and he's on this really bad streak now. He's one and four in his last five fights. Granted, it should be two well, and two. not really, yeah. Yeah, yeah he yeah. should be two and two with that Frankie Edgar split decision loss, right? Um, to be fair. And Jose Aldo, he... You know, he wasn't absolutely horrid against. Jose Aldo just looked incredible. He hurt Dominic Cruz, I believe, in that second round as Dominic Cruz was doing one of his fadeaway leans and Pedro Munoz had the uh, kind of wherewithal to land that left hook counter. Um, and then losing to Aljamain Sterling decisively and Jose Aldo decisively, like, that's not anything to be ashamed of. Don't get me wrong. But he's on a bit of a losing streak, right, right? His mindset, having won only one fight in the last four. Having won only one fight since prior to the pandemic, Nick. Like, a year prior to the pandemic. Um, it's not a great sign for his confidence, especially going up against the guy who's talking shit, who is acting like he's the motherfucking boss that's got to that's gnaw at Pedro Munoz. Now, that could motivate him, and I hope that's the case. The problem is that he's slower. He's so much slower than O'Malley. He is going to—and and part of the issue for me is that the latest version of Pedro Munoz has been a lot more careful. He's been adding a lot more technique to his game, but he's lost a lot of that pressure that made him extremely successful early in his UFC career. he put on the kind of pressure that would make guys want to shoot in on him, knowing that he has an excellent guillotine and a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt at home. Right. So, so he's not really applying that kind of pressure anymore. If you look at his last several matchups and this is Sean O'Malley's first kind of dip into the top 10, top 15 quality. Uh
0: uh, Again, I mean, against one of the best box, like boxer grapplers of all time in Dominic Cruz and a terrific Brazilian jiu-jitsu specialist in Jose Aldo. Like, I mean, yes, they're That's older, fair. but he was, I mean, he was really fighting two absolute beasts. He, th- there's no question, but Dominic Cruz is 37
1: years old. We've seen him look more human and, and like, we, you know, he's not the same that he, uh, I, I should say maybe he's, okay, he's less durable. Uh, he doesn't have quite the instincts that he used to, but he's about as good as he ever was. It's just the rest of the division is kind of coming up. I don't know, and getting better, I mean, I don't know that Pedro Munoz... Yeah, I don't think he's
0: less durable. I think he's slower, so he's getting hit more.
1: Yeah, and maybe maybe you're right. Maybe he would have gotten uh, hurt as many times earlier in his career, but the age has got to be a factor at 37, right? He's getting he's getting knocked down more often uh, now than he did earlier in his career. It makes perfect sense. Um, and so, to Pedro Munoz's credit, like, that was a solid left hook. Dude's got power, right? He can hurt uh, this man if, if he can get into the right position to. The problem is his lack of pressure lately is concerning for me he's trying to be more technical and you don't want to stand across from O'Malley and give him room to work. If he applies heavy, heavy, heavy pressure, if he uh, is moving his head consistently because O'Malley's going to throw those straight, extremely fast straight shots at all times at him, if he can close the distance to the point where O'Malley's counter right, uh, where O'Malley's left hook, where O'Malley's uppercuts, where O'Malley's flying knee are less of a factor, although the flying knee, obviously, uh, Pedro Munoz has got to be particularly careful uh, of when he's wading in. Um, I, he can do it. He can win this fight. I just don't know that I can rely on him to do that. This version of him that's one and four uh, in his last five, this version of him that whose confidence is suffering, this version of him that, again, is trying to be more technical, therefore is pressuring less, so is taking away the biggest part of his game that's been a success. Um, I usually like the kind of um, development that happens at American Top Team for fighters. I don't love this development for Pedro Munoz. I think the old version of Pedro Munoz has a higher chance – against Sean O'Malley Sean O'Malley's gonna have the power to hurt him Sean O'Malley has the use he's, he's got a huge size of reach advantage um, again Pedro Munoz has the skill to win this fight I don't know that I can rely on him to do that so I've got O'Malley
0: um, I'm I mean I was gonna pick Munoz but everything were you you're saying for, makes, you were picking Munoz for, for two points I see for three, yeah for three points
1: oh is he a plus two you're right he's a plus 250 you know what uh, i believe me, so l- let me watch a little more tape maybe i'll change the pick on this one uh before the event three points is a fucking that's a different dynamic man three points is worth taking on so uh yeah he's,
0: like, he's up to plus two he's up to plus 270 in some areas wow
1: okay no um, definitely something so... definitely something to consider for me a, a three-pointer but again all else being the same i have to give the edge to sean o'malley even if i do change my pick for to pedro you know given the three-point advantage that it could bring
0: you got, no, that, you, uh, you, so
1: you think Pedro Munoz, like all being the same, do you still edge Pedro Munoz or it's only because no, of the points?
0: No, my heart my heart does, but my brain my brain thinks that covering the distance is gonna be hard. But if he can if he can land his own calf kicks early, and he's got power. Like he's no O'Malley's hittable. That kid with the green hair, you know, was hitting O'Malley. Yeah, Moutinho. Like um you know, Pedro Munoz has the ability, has a good chin and the ability to demand Sean O'Malley's respect. So, like, he's not going to roll over for this kid. And he, despite the losing streak, it's a losing streak against the best. Um, so we're, we're going to find out how good. This is a fight where we're going to really find out if Sean O'Malley is a top ten fighter or not. That's what this is. That's, that's exactly um, what this is. His first,
1: his first true so, test since since the one that he and it's the easy and
0: him. it's the e- frankly it's the easiest way into the top ten probably. But I'll still respect it. It still would be a good victory. Yeah, and again, um, we, we've
1: seen Sean O'Malley's legs get kicked out from under him. We've seen his legs react really badly to any kind of damage. Right, like like I have students uh who who, who tend to like have lower leg injuries. Like they're just more likely to have those kinds of injuries. Sean O'Malley might be that kind of guy. And if Pedro Munoz lands a killer calf kick early in the fight and it affects O'Malley, Pedro Munoz can probably uh, take advantage of the same thing that Cheeto Barra did.
0: Um, I also think that, I think Munoz is also probably going to be physically stronger and I'm not convinced that Sean O'Malley has good jujitsu defense and can stop the choke. So we'll see. Um, that's a good point. I, I'm uh I'm gonna take Alex Paheya over Sean Strickland next. Um, listen, I think Sean Strickland's done a good job building himself up. He's a terrific boxer. Um, I think he's got less power than than Michael Bisping, who used to get dinged for his power, which I didn't think was totally fair. And Alex Paehle is huge. I mean, both of these guys are pretty big, but um, does Strickland used to fight at light, at light heavy at light heavyweight or welterweight? I'm I believe he used right to now. fight at welterweight yeah yeah, so he's fighting a guy who could definitely would look normal walking among among light heavyweights, who's an insane striker. And I don't think Sean Strickland's gonna have the grappling to change the fight. And if it goes to the clinch, well, Alex bahia has got knees and elbows all day for you. I think this is one of those cases where like the same way Cheeto Vera at one thirty five hurts you every time he touches you, like everything's painful, like not just like regular painful, but like, oh, this is damage. He touches you and damage happens. I believe that and it's Sean Strickland does not cause damage. He, he hurts you and slows you down incrementally. Alex Paheya damages you when he touches you. And I think he's going to touch Sean Strickland and, and damage him. I think this could be fight of the night, but I expect Sean Strickland to be wearing it by the end of the fight. Um, I, I think, I just think Paheya is a beast and this isn't a, you know, they're not giving him, I think a Marvin Vittori is a much tougher matchup. Um, uh, you know, a bigger, stronger guy who couldn't possibly make welterweight, uh, who's got good takedowns. That's, you know, um, but I, they want the pay pay fight probably next if he wins this. So it makes sense from a booking perspective. It's giving Strickland a bit more shine. It's his moment, but I'm taking Alex pay here to, to win a, a pr- maybe not get the finish because Strickland's pretty durable, but either finish, uh, you know, probably either 30, 27 or a TKO. Um, I'm going with the man Alex Paheya to to, uh, carve his path um, to an easy rematch.
1: So we got to see Covington get knocked out and his jaw broken by the champ. We got to see Tony Kelly get knocked out by Adrian Yanez just a couple weeks ago. All of that extremely satisfying. Would I be satisfied in seeing Alex Pereira absolutely wallop Sean Strickland? You damn motherfucking right I would. But having said that, Sean Strickland does have a serious edge in the ground game. He has the pathway to win this fight. I just, I'm not convinced. I, I think the athleticism, the power, I think, are going to be big factors. Alex Pereira seems to be naturally
0: just strong. You think, Sean, let me interrupt you, Brandon. Yeah. You mean Sean Strickland's wrestling, Sean Strickland's grappling, or both? Uh,
1: well, on paper, both should be better than Alex Pereira's. Yeah. I, I would say his ground game is much better. His wrestling is better. The problem is that Alex Pereira, like, he, you're right in that he's kind of light heavyweight sized. He has like what looks to be like, I don't know, 4% body fat, right? So he's carrying pure dense muscle that he has been refining and working on and exploding with and training for what, 15 or 20 years, right? Like he is just a different level of athlete as far as just, again, like he seems like the kind of guy that you you touch his shoulder and it feels like stone. Um, When he hits you, it just feels like everything moves out of the way when he hits, even when he, when his opponent blocks, it seems like it just pushes his opponents back and just He's not terribly fast, right? He's not super technical. If you watch his matchups against Israel Adesanya, he was, you know, he was behind the entire fight. And that rematch in particular where he where he got the knockout, he was behind. And in this matchup, um, you know, the, the speed is going to go to Sean Strickland. The problem is Sean Strickland is going to give him so much to counter and Oxborough is going to counter. If Sean Strickland can get takedowns and keep him down there, I think Sean Strickland can get a submission. But it helps that Oxborough trains with Glover Teixeira. Glover Teixeira looked phenomenal Despite his light heavyweight title loss over the last couple of fights, so I do think they complement each other and fill in each other's holes and gaps. Uh, I'm going to agree with you on the Alex Pereira pick, but I do see a way for Sean Strickland to get a win here. Obviously, if he hits that ground, man, Alex Pereira showed on paper. Like from what I hear about Sean Strickland, we don't see it much, but his ground game is supposed to be really slick, surprisingly slick, even from his back. Um, so definitely the pathways there for for Strickland, but I tend to agree with you on Pereira. I, I think uh, I think he's on his way to an Israel Adesanya uh, title fight after this. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway. Because why not, Nikolai? The main motherfucking event. The first matchup, I thought that Alex Volkanovsky did really well. He won the first three rounds pretty clearly. And then rounds four and five. To be fair, I thought Alex Volkanovsky won round four of their first fight as well. Max Holloway came out really strong in the fifth round and won that round. So... Three to two, four to one for Alex Volk- Volkanovski in the first round, uh, first fight. Excuse me, and a lot of that was because Volkanovski was patient, um, and he had the counters ready for Max's questions. He had the answers, I guess I should say, ready for Max's questions. When Max comes in with the offense, Alexander Volkanovski would slip his head off the side of the line and go consistently with that cross hook, and it worked for him so goddamn much. It worked for him. It's kind of crazy that Max didn't truly scout that right. Um, and then in the second fight. It, it was basically first two rounds clearly for Max Holloway, last two rounds clearly for Volkanovski, and that third round decides that I gave the edge in the third round to Alex Volkanovski. Um, I felt that he made the adjustment. I think early on Volkanovski was a lot more willing to uh, pressure and go first against Max in their second fight. And that was his mistake. Max had kind of the answers ready for Volk in this one, right? Max really did really very well in those first two rounds. Um, it, it just seemed like when Volk goes first, Max tends to land with his hands. When Volkanovski's at a distance, Max's kicks and kick feints worked pretty well. And it's kind of the same the other way. When Max goes first, Volkanovski would slip off, cross a counter, and it worked more often than not. When they're at a distance, that step inside, uh, inside low kick for Volkanovski is a super reliable technique that he's worked against everybody. Um, and, and so for both these guys, right, they both figured out that at a distance, kicks are the answer. Max's right kick versus Volkanovski's left. Um, when they're when the other guy is coming into the pocket, they realize that the slip two punch counter is the answer. For Volkanovski was the cross hook, like I said, for Max Holloway is the right uppercut left hook uh, counter that worked for him, right? So a lot of the uh, a lot of this will be decided by the following: whoever is being more aggressive will lose this fight, unless they're being more aggressive with their kicks. I think that if Max is more aggressive with his right kick and Volkanovski is equally aggressive with his left, Max is going to do more damage and it's going to look more like more damage. Volkanovski's inside step-in kick doesn't look that damaging it's a quick kind of pitter kick that keeps his opponent at a distance uh whereas max's kick has a little more range even though Volkanovsky has the reach advantage max has the longer legs max is the taller man um here's the thing at plus 160 uh, like all else being the same i'm favoring Volkanovsky. i think he is the best pound for pound fighter on planet earth and even if he loses this fight to max holloway i still consider him top three pound for pound on the planet right uh because i assume that if he does lose it's going to be close I kind of hope that Max wins this fight and that it's a just a super super close fight and that they go a fourth time at some point in the next couple of years. Um, but and for for plus one sixty, I think I have to take Max for two points. All else being the same, I would have. There's Volkanovski. I think he's absolutely brilliant at not only coming in with a perfect game plan but also adjusting mid fight. That's that's why I'm
0: picking Volkanovski. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the two points. It's I just I just think I think he's got better coaching. Um, I think those guys have got something really tight going on over there, um, and I I really really like Max, but we it's he his plans his plans B C and D are are just not as extensive and he's not as quick at executing them. If he's in a if he's in a boxing you know if he's in boxing range, um, every, everything can be really good. I also didn't think for as great as he looked against against Calvin Cater. I didn't think Max looked awesome against Yair Rodriguez. I didn't think he looked as good as he should have. I think it was it was the, the speed the, of Yair and the fact
1: that it was a style matchup thing, really. I don't think it's that yeah, Max was but, a step behind. I think it's that Yair surprised a lot of folks. And the style Well, it's team.
0: also that Max cho- Max chose to fight the fight where Yair is strong. True. Which is where when, Max is
1: strong too. So it's kind of tricky. Even though yeah, Max probably I don't know. Ma- better Max
0: better. Max, Ma- well, I think Max probably has better wrestling. I think Max probably has better jujitsu. Yeah, I would right? agree with that. He chose. He chose not to do those things. So that's. I just. I think that Max is sometimes a bit too much of a fighter. Like he's amazing, and he's done amazing things, and we love watching him. But Volkanovski is. Is a, a fucking general in there. I don't. Um, so I'm picking Volk. But emo, like I like both of these guys. It's one of those fights where you don't really want to see a loser. I, I Max know. also. Max. I mean, I think. I think Max is still younger than Volkanovski, but goddamn the miles. Well, Volkanovski is. Uh-huh. His, Sorry, go on. Well, Volkanovski is really just Volk's really good at at um, at limiting damage. He's really good at rolling stuff. We we haven't really seen him buzzed very often. The closest and most danger we've seen him in has been submissions um, against the most dangerous guy, and he got out. But his, um, you know, we've seen Max slurring his words. Like that, Max has taken a lot of head strikes over the last ten years. Um, so it's 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 just hard to to know. Um, where you know where his durability and cognition really is yeah. that's all that's all i gotta I, say about that I, I and agree with
1: you. there's a there's a power difference there's a strength difference in this one i think but um i think what's important for max is to consistently keeps his kicks going at all times he has the conditioning to do it he doesn't want to box with alexander volkanovsky that's not where his success comes from unless volkanovsky is waiting forward in which case max counters really well but you don't want to start with Alex, when it comes to the boxing game, you want to start with him on kicks. If you can land your outside kick, his inside kick's is going to be a little bit harder to land. If you can counter his inside kick with your outside kick, that'll work well too, especially since it looks a little flashier, a little stronger. So yeah, look, um, I agree with you. I think Volkanovski is the best round for pound for pound fighter on all of planet earth. I think Max Holloway just happens to be top five territory. And so Plus 160 uh, odds is the reason that, I, that I'm edging his weight. But uh, agreed. Walkanowski uh, is, again, he probably is my favorite fighter, if not my top two or three. I, I think he's incredible. Uh, what is your next pick, brother?
0: Gets real tough now. Um, does. <sighs> I'm going to pick, uh, I like both of these guys too, but I'm going to go with Ruthless Robbie Lawler uh, to defeat Brian Barbarina. Well, I, I think these guys are in similar stages just because Barbarina put on a lot of mileage quickly. But Lawler is, Lawler is a superior boxer with more power. He's also probably the better wrestler. And Barbarina's, like, his durability, his craftiness, and his unorthodox striking, um, I don't know that he's got the pop to put Lawler down. And it's it's been law of diminishing returns for Barbarina. And Lawler, I know it was against, like, a depleted Nick Diaz. But Lawler's output, if Lawler has output like that in the first round, And he's got, he still has mustard on his shots. Brian Barberina is going to have a very hard time um, managing that, and then he'll be playing catch up. uh, They'll be playing catch up for the rest of uh, for the rest of the fight. So I see, I see Lawler getting out ahead um, pretty quickly. I don't, I I know Barberina is a really good wrestler. I don't know that he's going to be able to, you know, he's not going to be able to Colby Covington, uh, Robbie Lawler here. I don't think. Uh, um, I don't think he's no. got that explosiveness, that athleticism. I think he's he's like a little too beat up himself, and it's not. And, you know, let's not forget where Lawler came from in in Iowa. It's not like he doesn't you know he doesn't know his way around the wrestling floor. It's just that Kobe Covington was a next generation athlete, uh, you know, from that pedigree. So I think Lawler should I think Lawler should be able to win a convincing victory or, or get a TKO here. Yeah,
1: I as much as I'd like to think that you're right, given the higher ceiling that Lawler has and all of that, I ended up edging ever so fucking slightly toward Barbarina, and mostly because his output. And you mentioned Lawler's output in that last matchup. And so, like, yeah, he put it out there. He was motivated for that Nick Diaz fight. I don't think he's motivated for a Brian Barbarina kind of matchup, right? If he wasn't motivated for Colby Cummington and Neil Magny, he's not going to be motivated in this one, especially at this late age. He's 40 years old. So for that reason, because Brian Barberena has been more active, he's been facing, granted, young guys, right? Like uh, outside of obviously Matt Brown with whom he had a fire fucking fight. Um, I I feel like both of them at their best, Robbie Lawler whoops on him. But I don't know that Robbie Lawler's at his best. I don't know how motivated he is. I don't trust in his output enough, right? He might have bigger moments early, but later in the fight, as Brian Barberena starts to put those numbers on him, Brian Barberena, who lands like 5.61 strikes per minute, Lawler lands 3.73, and that 3.73 has been skewed big time up because of his last matchup against Nick Diaz, right? He got outstruck by a big margin by Neil Magny, by Kobe Cummington, uh, by Rafael Dos Anjos, and... You know, Brian Barberina is a high output fighter against a Robbie Lawler that is often low output. So for that reason, I disagree. But again, super close to this reason. Barbarina,
0: I feel like Barbarina gets slowed down by power. Neil Magny's pitter-patter. You like, might be right.
1: That, that that might be fair, but that really relies on Robbie Lawler's throwing offense. And, and if he does, again, he Robbie threw, he threw a, a lot of. Play, yeah.
0: He threw, I mean, the evidence I have is he threw a ton against
1: Nick Diaz. That's true, but he was motivated for that one. He was a different human in that oh. fight than he was in literally multiple years. Like, I would say the well, last. But that, was a, um, but that was his last fight. Anyway, no, no, it's true, but I, but but yeah. in the Neil Magny, the Colby Covington, the Ben Askren, the Rafael, Ben Askren. To be fair, he was motivated. It seemed like at least early. The Donald Cerrone really he knocked said, him he out. Yeah. lost. Yes. Uh, well, no. Ben Askren ended up getting the we went over him by bullshit choke. No, I know, but but, but yeah, he basically knocked him, knocked him out. out. It's, true. Yeah. it's true. early on. It's true. Uh, Donald Cerrone. He arguably lost too terribly. He got knocked out by Carlos Condit. Was the last time. That he had like a motivated showing. Roy McDonald before that, right? It was a different Lawler, maybe on different supplements. I don't before, know. Yeah, also before, a different before the Nick Diaz fight, yeah, exactly. But also like in his mid thirties, not at forty. Um, and 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 again, if he, if I know for a fact that he's motivated, if I know for the fact that he's been working his ass off at Stanford MMA, which is a great team, then I'm picking I'm picking uh, Robbie Lawler here with confidence. I just I, like I I have no real way of finding out because in interviews he's always kind of monotone. But he did talk about how he was particularly motivated in that Nick Diaz matchup. And it showed, man. And Nick Diaz literally giving up shows you that he wasn't ready for that shit. Nick Diaz was landing plenty of strikes. Granted, Lawler was uh, rolling with a lot of them. Uh, my next pick is going to be in the Brad Riddell Jalen Turner matchup. Nick, I think that Brad Riddell's chin is probably not going to be amazing after that knockout he's coming off of against Viziev. Uh, I think Jalen Turner is extremely fucking dangerous. He's going to be way faster. He's going to be way bigger. He's got. Uh, the better ground game even though the wrestling may be more even maybe even a slight edge to Brad Riddell um and and I think he's got so much power in his hands versus Brad Riddell who's kind of comes on strong over the course of the fight Jalen Turner is a pretty strong starter and I think that he can put potentially the kind of damage on Riddell to where Riddell uh, is not able to do the same shit later in a fight Jalen Turner has extreme finishing potential absolutely everywhere and I think this could be kind of part of his coming up party Granted, he can be pressured effectively. He can be not, his chin can be tagged. We've seen it before. Um, I'm not sure that Brad Riddell has enough power early to really put a stamper on it. There's a chance that Jalen Turner looks good in the first round, which we often see against Riddell. He loses the first round and then rounds two and three go the other way. Very possible because Brad Riddell, you know, has a lot of good basics. He has a great team that he works with. He's motivated along with this team, but but realistically, uh, Jalen Turner is my pick in this one.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, i listen. Brad Riddell's team is going to have a lot coming into it, but if Riddell's also been training Izzy, also been training with Volkanovski, like where you know where is he going to be? Um, we'll we'll see. But I think this is a real pick'em fight. I was having a tough time with that one. Yep. Um, moving on, I'm going to go with uh, I like the South African. Uh, uh, Dr- oh God, Drinkis Duplessis. Um, I know Brad Tavares is far is far from washed up, but and Duplessis has not been all that active. But let's just not forget how awesome, dynamic, and uh, explosive um, that he looked in his in his uh, his fight against against uh, Trevin Giles last year, in his fight against Marcus Perez. He's a mean, you know, he's a mean mean dude, and he hits. He's big, um, and he hits, and he hits really really hard. And Tavares has only fought a couple of times since he got like shellacked by Shab- uh, by Shabazian. Um, against, you know, a guy that's not in the UFC anymore in Antonio Carlos Jr. And um, and then, you know, he, he sneaked out a win against Amare uh, uh, Akhmedov, who's, like, also not in the UFC anymore, right? Yeah, also not in the UFC. So, like, I think that Tavares is good, could, even though he's, like, a thick dude, I may, think he may look really undersized here. And I just remember, like, the kind of dynamic kickboxer that Shabazzian showed up as and, like, lit up, Tavares and I think about Duplessis victories, and I I see I see Tavares getting getting chin checked here.
1: Yeah, um, there's a fair chance that you're right. Duplessis just seems so nervous when he fights. He's a little kind of all over the place, especially defensively when his opponent is stepping in. He just like he's minding his defense. His arm is in the right place, but he just seems so nervous and out of position a lot of those times. Um, for that reason, I'm, I'm favoring Tavares, who I think is motivated. He seems to be training hard. He's at extreme Couture, and they're at a pretty good high. They've got some. Pretty solid level fighters, including Sean O'Malley, who's in training camp at the same time as presumably Brad Tavares uh, at that camp. So I'm giving the edge to Brad Tavares because of his fundamentals and his experience. Duplessis, he did get those knockouts, but it's not like he's just like walloping and fucking guys up left and right. He has some serious power in his hands and he could tag Tavares like you said. I just, I'm not sure that I'm going to rely on the puncher's chance in a matchup where I think Brad Tavares has other edges. But if Duplessis walks away with this win, um, it means one of two things. Either Brad Tavares is old and or Duplessis is the real deal. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm curious to find out the answer to that. This should be intriguing for me in that way. Two picks left, Nick in my, in the next pick for me, um, we've got a couple of favorites against a couple of underdogs who are decent size. I think I'm going to take the risk on Julia Storyalenko over Jessica Rose Clark. Call me crazy. I just think Jesse Jess is pretty medium and I know Storjelenko is like 0-3 in the UFC, but it's against pretty high level competition. Girls like Alexis Davis, Julia Viliana Kuenitskaya. Jessica Rose Clark is not close to that league, and this is her big chance to actually get a UFC win. Grant that Jessica Rose Clark would probably be bailed by that uh, kind of Australian, New Zealand vibe that that's going on with with a bunch of fighters from that region. And you know, there's a lot of camaraderie. There. I, I would have to train with those people, huh?
0: I mean, I would pick Jesse Jess over Yana Kuduskaya, but whatever, man. You be you do you.
1: I definitely would not. Yana Kutyskaya is going to ground that chick, and she's going to have her way. Jessica Rose Clark is a decent striker if you're willing to just stand in front of her. Um, I just think Julia Stolarenko has a chance of getting a, a takedown and possibly doing well from the yep. top position um, enough to win, you know, just based on Rose Clark's last couple of, uh, last couple of fights, like we've gotten, we've gotten a check on, on her potential. Like she's not that high level. Although I, she's one of the fighters that I think is very attractive. She's, uh, she, she's one of my favorites. Yeah. And, you keep,
0: you keep talking about that. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I, I just think, I just think she's wonderful. Also like, I don't know. I just, we have very different tastes. The girls that you prefer in that way versus the girls that I do, by the way, happily married, I've, uh, no actual interest not that she would be interested in but just throwing that out there Nikolai.
0: tiffany time Bomb, it's my girl oh that's right jenny Frey, my girl Ginny Frey, who got robbed but whatever um, she did get robbed, all right last right? pick last yes. pick i'm gonna go with he's not the next conor mcgregor he's the first ian gary <laughs> uh the irishman um the future stanford mma fighter um yeah he's had some you know He's he's a young guy in there and he's fig. you can see him figuring it out and learning, but so far he's passed the test. He's got a tough one in the the super muscly uh, Californian, Gabe Green, um, who's coming off, he's on a two fight win streak after losing to d Daniel Rodriguez. I think this is a tough one. I think this is one of those, tw- it'll be a 29-28, you know, win for Gary, but he could certainly get hurt and caught here. It could be an exposed like Shabazzian moment. I just don't think so. I think, I think... I think it's another good test for Gary. I like I like his length. I like his striking. <clears throat> I think he's got good composure, and it should be enough to get him you know through this challenge and his third his third win of the year.
1: Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to edge Ian Gary. I've, right. I've, I've, Second uh, win of faded, the year. I'm sorry. Um, right, uh, I, I've either faded him or or I have con- contemplated fading him. I contemplated fading him in this one, given the odds with Gabe Green at on plus one fifty. I think Gabe Green's pressure, his power, his, uh, his he's relentless. He's got great conditioning. I think he has a really good chance of winning this fight, honestly. But Ian Gary has shown that like he is able to make those growths and able to make some of those decisions against not-complete fighters. And Gabe Green is kind of on that brink, man. He could just be complete. He might be worth a two-pointer. But I'm going to edge slightly toward Ian Gary's potential over Gabe Green's kind of attributes in this one. Um, and and I probably would have picked this fight ahead of that Jessica Rose-Clark-Julia-Story Olenko fight. I just thought more value at Story Olenko uh, for two points. She is plus 150 and plus 160 in a, in a few of these sports books. Um, and, and I, j- I just saw more value in that matchup.
0: Yeah, no, I get, I get it. I just didn't have enough confidence to the only one that I felt like close to doing the big pick in was Munoz. Anyway, good, good rap, good show. And we've got uh, this is a big car, so I'm excited to see what happens.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see the results of this one, to, to watch this one live and all that good stuff, Nick. That should be a motherfucking blast. Uh, sorry we missed last week's episode, everybody. We we should be, be back here for you to break down next week's card. Nikolai, that's going to do it, bro. That's it. That's it, bro. All
0: right, bro. We'll see you later.
1: See you later,